0: Chapter One of Brood of the Witch Queen by Sax Romer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Prefatory Notice the strange deeds of Antony Ferrara, as herein related, are intended to illustrate certain phases of sorcery as it was formerly practiced, according to numerous records, not only in Egypt, but also in Europe, during the Middle Ages. In no case do the powers attributed to him exceed those which are claimed for a fully equipped adept. Sax romer CHAPTER One, ANTONY FERRARA robert cairn looked out across the quadrangle the moon had just arisen and it softened the beauty of the old college buildings mellowed the harshness of time casting shadow pools beneath the cloisteresque arches to the west and setting out the ivy in stronger relief upon the ancient walls the barred window on the lichened stones beyond the elm was cast by the hidden gate and straight ahead where between a quaint chimney-stack and a partisan, a triangular patch of blue showed like spangled velvet, lay the Thames. It was from there the cooling breeze came. But Cairn's gaze was set upon a window almost directly ahead and west below the chimneys. Within the room to which it belonged a lambent light played. Cairn turned to his companion, a ruddy and athletic-looking man, somewhat bovine in type, who at the moment was busily tracing out sections on a human skull and checking his calculations from Ross's Diseases of the Nervous System. "'Sime,' he said, "'what does Ferrara always have a fire in his rooms for at this time of the year?' Syme glanced up irritably at the speaker. Cairn was a tall, thin Scotsman, cleanly shaven, square-jawed, "'and with the crisp light hair and grey eyes which often bespeak unusual virility. "'Aren't you going to do any work?' he inquired pathetically. "'I thought you'd come down to give me a hand with my basal ganglia. "'I shall go down on that, and there you've been staring out of the window.' "'Wilson in the End House has got a most unusual brain,' said Cairn, with apparent irrelevance. "'Has he?' snapped Syme. "'Yes, and a bottle.' His governor is at Bart's. He sent it up yesterday. You ought to see it. Nobody will ever want to put your brain in a bottle," predicted the scowling Syme, and resumed his activities. Cairn relighted his pipe, staring across the quadrangle again. Then, "You've never been in Ferrara's rooms, have you?" he inquired. Followed a muffled curse, crash, and the skull went rolling across the floor. "Luck here, Cairn!" cried Syme i've only got a week or so now and my nervous system is frantically rocky i shall go all to pieces on my nervous system if you want to talk go ahead when you're finished i can begin to work righto said cairn calmly and tossed his pouch across i want to talk to you about ferrara go ahead then what is the matter with ferrara well replied cairn he's queer that's no news said sime filling his pipe we all know he's a queer chap but he's popular with women he'd make a fortune as a nerve specialist he doesn't have to he inherits a fortune when sir michael dies there's a pretty cousin too isn't there inquired sime slyly there is replied kane of course he continued my governor and sir michael are bosom friends "'And although I've never seen much of young Ferrara, at the same time I've got nothing against him. "'But,' he hesitated. "'Spit it out,' urged Syme, watching him oddly. "'Well, it's silly, I suppose, but what does he want with a fire on a blazing night like this?' Syme stared. "'Perhaps he's a throwback,' he suggested lightly. "'The Ferrara's, although they're counted Scotch, aren't they, must have been Italian originally.' spanish corrected cairn they've dated from the son of andrea ferrara the sword maker who was a spaniard caesar ferrara came with the armada in 1858 as an armorer his ship was wrecked up in the bay of tobermory and he got ashore and stopped married a scotch lassie exactly but the genealogy of the family doesn't account for antony's habits what habits well look Cairn waved in the direction of the open window. "'What does he do in the dark all night with a fire going?' "'Influenza.' "'Nonsense! You've never been in his rooms, have you?' "'No. Very few men have. But as I said before, he's popular with the women.' "'What do you mean?' "'I mean there have been complaints. Any other man would have been sent down.' "'You think he has influence?' influence of some sort undoubtedly well i can see you have serious doubts about the man as i have myself so i can unburden my mind you recall that sudden thunderstorm on thursday rather quite upset me for work i was out in it i was lying in a punt in the backwater you know our backwater lazy dog to tell you the truth i was trying to make up my mind whether i should abandon bones and take the post on the planet which has been offered me pills for the pen harley for fleet did you decide not then something happened which quite changed my line of reflection the room was becoming cloudy with tobacco smoke it was delightfully still cairn resumed a water rat rose within a foot of me and a kingfisher was busy on a twig almost at my elbow Twilight was just creeping along, and I could hear nothing but faint creakings of sculls from the river and sometimes the drip of a punt pole. I thought the river seemed to become suddenly deserted. It grew quite abnormally quiet and abnormally dark, but I was so deep in reflection that it never occurred to me to move. Then the flotilla of swans came round the bend, with Apollo, you know, Apollo, the king swan, at their head. By this time it had grown tremendously dark, but it never occurred to me to ask myself why. The swans, gliding along so noiselessly, might have been phantoms. A hush, a perfect hush, settled down. Syme, that hush was the prelude to a strange thing, an unholy thing. Cairn rose excitedly and strode across to the table, kicking the skull out of his way. It was the storm gathering, snapped Syme. It was something else gathering. Listen, it got yet darker, but for some inexplicable reason, although I must have heard the thunder muttering, I couldn't take my eyes off the swans. Then it happened, the thing I came here to tell you about. I must tell somebody, the thing that I am not going to forget in a hurry.' He began to knock out the ash from his pipe. "'Go on,' directed Sign tersely. "'The big swan—' apollo was within ten feet of me he swam in open water clear of the others no living thing touched him suddenly a ring a cry that chilled my very blood a cry that i never heard from a swan in my life he rose in the air his huge wings extended like a tortured phantom sime i can never forget it six feet clear of the water the uncanny wail became a stifled hiss and sending up a perfect fountain of water i was deluged the poor old king swan fell beat the surface with his wings and was still well the other swans glided off like ghosts several heavy raindrops pattered on the leaves above i admit i was scared apollo lay with one wing right in the punt i was standing up i had jumped to my feet when the thing occurred i stooped and touched the wing the bird was quite dead sime i pulled the swan's head out of the water and his neck was broken no fewer than three vertebrae fractured a cloud of tobacco smoke was wafted towards the open window it isn't one in a million who could wring the neck of a bird like apollo sime but it was done before my eyes without the visible agency of god or man as i dropped him and took to the pole the storm burst a clap of thunder spoke with the voice of a thousand cannon and i pulled for bare life from that haunted backwater i was drenched to the skin when i got in and i ran up all the way from the stage well rapped the other again as cairn paused to refill his pipe it was seeing the firelight flickering at ferrara's window that led me to do it i don't often call on him but i thought that a rub down before the fire and a glass of toddy would put me right the storm had abated as i got to the foot of his stair only a distant rolling of thunder then out of the shadows it was quite dark into the flickering light of the lamp came somebody all muffled up i started horribly it was a girl quite a pretty girl too with very pale and with over bright eyes she gave one quick glance into my face, muttered something, an apology, I think, and drew back again into her hiding place. "'He's been warned,' growled Sime. "'It will be noticed to quit next time.' I ran upstairs and banged on Ferrara's door. He didn't open at first, but shouted out to know who was knocking. When I told him, he let me in and closed the door very quickly. As I went in, a pungent cloud met me. Incense incense his room smelt like a joss house I told him so he said he was experimenting with kiffy the ancient Egyptian stuff used in the temples it was all dark and hot phew like a furnace ferrara's rooms always were odd but since the long vacation I hadn't been in good lord they're disgusting how ferrara spent vacation in egypt i suppose he's brought things back things yes unholy things but that brings me to something too i ought to know more about the chap than anybody sir michael ferrara and the governor have been friends for thirty years but my father is oddly reticent quite singularly reticent regarding antony anyway have you heard about him in egypt i've heard he got into trouble for his age he has a devil of a queer reputation there's no disguising it what sort of trouble i've no idea nobody seems to know but i heard from young ashby that ferrara was asked to leave there's some tale about kitchener by kitchener ashby says but i don't believe it well ferrara lighted a lamp an elaborate silver thing and i found myself in a kind of nightmare museum there was an unwrapped mummy there the mummy of a woman i can't possibly describe it he had pictures too photographs i shan't try to tell you what they represented i'm not thin-skinned but there are some subjects that no man anxious to avoid bedlam would willingly investigate on the table by the lamp stood a number of objects such as i had never seen in my life before evidently of great age he swept them into a cupboard before i had time to look along then he went off to get a bath towel slippers and so forth as he passed the fire he threw something in a hissing tongue of flame leapt up and died down again what did he throw in i am not absolutely certain so i won't say what i think it was at the moment then he began to help me shed my saturated flannels and he set a kettle on the fire and so forth you know the personal charm of the man but there was an unpleasant sense of something what shall i say sinister ferrara's ivory face was more pale than usual and he conveyed the idea that he was chewed up exhausted beads of perspiration were on his forehead hate of his rooms no said cairn shortly it wasn't that i had a rub down and borrowed some slacks ferrara brewed grog and pretended to make me welcome now i come to something which i can't forget it may be a mere coincidence but he has a number of photographs in his rooms good ones which he has taken himself i'm not speaking now of the monstrosities the outrages i mean views and girls particularly girls well standing on a queer little easel right under the lamp was a fine picture of apollo the swan lord of the backwater sime stared dully through the smoke haze it gave me a sort of shock continued cairn it made me think harder than ever of the thing he had thrown into the fire then in his photographic zenana was a picture of a girl whom i am almost sure was the one i had met at the bottom of the stair another was of myra duquesne his cousin yes i felt like tearing it from the wall in fact the moment i saw it i stood up to go i wanted to run to my rooms and strip the man's clothes off my back it was a struggle to be civil any longer "'Syme, if you had seen that swan die!' Syme walked over to the window. "'I have a glimmering of your monstrous suspicions,' he said slowly. "'The last man to be kicked out of an English varsity for this sort of thing, so far as I know, was Dr. D. of St. John's, Cambridge, and that's going back to the sixteenth century.' "'I know. It's utterly preposterous, of course. But I had to confide in somebody. I'll shift off now, Syme.' Syme nodded, staring from the open window. As Cairn was about to close the outer door, "'Cairn!' cried "Syne, "'Since you are now a man of letters and leisure, you might drop in and borrow Wilson's brains for me.' "'All right!' shouted Cairn. Down in the quadrangle he stood for a moment, reflecting. Then, acting upon a sudden resolution, he strode over towards the gate and ascended Ferrara's stair. For some time he knocked at the door in vain, but he persisted in his clamoring, arousing the ancient echoes. Finally the door was opened. Antony Ferrara faced him. He wore a silver-gray dressing-gown, trimmed in white swans-down, above which his ivory throat rose statuesque. The almond-shaped eyes, black as night, gleamed strangely beneath the low, smooth brow the lank black hair appeared lustreless by comparison his lips were very red in his whole appearance there was something repellently effeminate can i come in demanded cairn abruptly is it something important ferrara's voice was husky but not unmusical why are you busy well er uh, ferrara smiled oddly oh a visitor snapped Cairne not at all accounts for your delay in opening said cairn and turned on his heel mistook me for the proctor in person i suppose good-night ferrara made no reply but although he never once glanced back cairn knew that ferrara leaning over the rail above was looking after him it was as though elemental heat were beating down upon his head end of chapter one read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california